Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you, and uh, Logan, let's see if I remember how to do this. Uh, let's see if as a married man, I can still podcast. Yeah, seriously. You got it? Uh, I mean, like, well, first off, let's talk about your wedding. How'd that go? Okay. How was Europe? Can we hit that at, like, Cliff Notes Absolutely. version? We got to talk football. Uh, yeah, no, we will We will certainly spend most of the, uh, the pot on football, but... Uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was, it was a dream come true. It really was. Um, everybody at the place we went, uh, in Scotland where we actually got married was incredible. Um, it was like Scotland. a villa or something like a castle. Yeah, it was, it was a castle, uh, basically, uh, Ali, uh, the, the guy who owns it, uh, like it's been in his family for centuries and, um, he was just like, he's just like this like mythical man who can do everything. Like the kind of guy that can tie a bow tie. Uh, yeah, right. which is very important on your wedding day when you can't tie a bow tie and all of a sudden you realize that what you thought was going to be a clip-on bow tie is an actual bow tie that needs tying. So thanks to Allie for, uh, for getting me straight on that one. But um, just it, it was so cool because it was just our friends and family uh, on this, this estate. And, um, you know, we, it, was, it was just magical. And then we went to London for about three days afterwards and I fell in love with London. Now it was funny cause I was having a conversation with someone yesterday who goes to London somewhat frequently for work. And she was like, yeah, I don't really like London cause I just associate it with work. And I realized that my love of London might also right. have to do with the fact that I was on my honeymoon and literally had zero responsibility and like ate in nice restaurants and got to do all these things that I'll never get to do again. If I ever go back to London or when I go back to London, but it was, it was just awesome. Um, everyone's so orderly over there. Like it's, it's very British in that way. Um, right. like, you know, in DC when people are like, Hey, stand on the right on the escalators in the Metro, people yeah. actually stand on the escalators oh, on the nice. right. So it's like, there's, there's just an order, um, and organization to things that was really nice. And I, I quite enjoyed, um, but it was just, people are great. Uh, the food was incredible. Uh, and we had a, we had a pretty amazing time and, uh, you know, a week and change awesome, in a marriage. Big so, fan. So how many uh, how many people were like you said it was family and friends? How many people? Yeah, we had about thirty people. Um, oh, so it's pretty nice. Easy, pretty small, small, nice and yeah. intimate, which is also nice because like we we were together for a couple of days, and as opposed to like your typical wedding where it's like everyone comes together on the wedding day right. and like you know it's one hundred and fifty people, and if you're the bride and groom, you barely get to see people. Like we got to spend right. genuine time with with like thirty of our closest people, so that was that was pretty great. 
and then I'm only going on Instagram. She didn't wear a dress. She wore like a suit. Is that no, 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 it was that was that was Friday night. Um, so she did the have the, the wedding dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had we had these pretty slick matching white suits on uh, on Friday yeah. night for the rehearsal. But uh, she did she did go a very nice, beautiful wedding dress on Saturday. I was in like your classic James Bond black tux, and uh, people people have said we looked nice. So that's sure nice. And we're I mean, we're very nice excited right for the. So. Oh, thank you, thank you. My, I can only imagine my how you'd look with a suit on. Yeah. Um, well, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be a funny bit if I just put the tux on for the pot. I, I bought it. I didn't rent it. So I could don't threaten oh, wow. me with a good time. Don't threaten Why, me with a good time. Uh, why'd you buy it? You know, a tux is the kind of thing that like so often enough you need one that if you're going to have really? to rent it. Yeah. Like if you got friends that are in weddings and things like that, you, you know, All right. I, I mean, I guess, I've never, I've had very little cause in my life for a tux, but I like think. the thing is they don't, they don't go out of style. Right. So like if in 20 years, assuming that I still fit and said tux, or you just get it, you get it nipped and tucked or, uh -huh. or extended, uh, you know, if 20 years, if I'm at a wedding and I need a tux, like this tux will still work. I mean, I feel like some tuxes go out of style though. Like or maybe those are suits I'm thinking of, like, you know, like yeah. your, your dad's like blue frilled, you know, like prom yeah, suits, suit. suits definitely go in and out if both in right. terms of like colors versus not styles, like cuts. But a tux, like a black tux, never, always, always right. will be in, timeless. You. So guess, yeah. you know, Excellent. went ahead and made the investment. Uh, <laughs> but that's it's not what people came for. Uh, I, I also, by the way, I I have a list of British sayings that I like better than American sayings. Let's um, hear, uh, let's do like two. What we got? And two? then I'm I'm gonna give the full list and make Anthony guess what they are on the radio. Um, so oh, look, look at nice. that. But uh, like even even when we were landing and we were waiting for you know the ramp, the jetway uh, is what we call it in America. They call it the jetty. Oh, uh, we got wait for the jetty, uh, and then we'll we'll pull into uh, into the airport here. Uh, people so that mean was, to you because you're from America, or were they pretty? No, cool? people were so nice. People were that so nice. Good. Uh, I think my other favorite one uh, was like, you know, you know, a sign like on, if, if, you know, dogs are very popular in Europe, just like they are here. Uh, and so like, you know, hey, don't let your dog poop here. They say yeah. they caught it's, it's a sign. This is no fouling. No fouling. I like that yes. one, actually. Yeah, I like, I like that a lot. That. I like that a lot. Uh, it's a lot better than like, no. And then a dog like taking a dump on a sign with like the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the cancel little... sign over it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so no, no fouling. Hey, get your dog no out of there. That's uh, nice. so with, with that said, if you want more fun, British <laughs> sayings, the Hoffman show three to six on the team Nine Eighty. Uh, we'll obviously spend a lot of time on the show on the radio this week, getting ready for, uh, the Jacksonville game, which is how we will kind of spend the podcast today. We will take a harder look at Jacksonville on Thursday's show, but for today, uh, we're going to take a look at what's happened since, uh, Logan and John talked on Thursday with the roster, which is actually a couple of significant moves. Uh, we'll talk yep. about some of the challenges of preparing for week one uh, when there's no tape or anything like that, especially when you got a team with a new head coach like Jacksonville does. Then we'll take a look at some predictions for the season, some over-unders, things like that. Um, I do have to say, though, Logan, I listened to Thursday's pod. You guys giving me gruff for not, uh, not, not hopping on Zoom on my honeymoon. Hustle I mean, culture's dead. It can die. <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed to take a break. Obviously, John was being facetious, and I was being facetious as well. But you know, it would have been nice for you to get taken. Out. I mean, yeah. What, what time would it have been? Even it would have been. What is it? Like what time did you guys ahead? record? I think it was probably like two in the afternoon. Oh, it would have been seven p.m. Oh, sorry, I would have. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, it's, it's five hours. So it's ahead. a five hour. Wow. 
Yeah, by the way, the jet lag is absolutely crushing us. I'm we sure have not you're... made it to 10 p.m. Uh, since we've been back. <laughs> absolutely just dying uh, around 8.30. Um, anyway, all right. So let's start with the, the roster news. Uh, as I pull up my notes, and I, I, I'm on the wrong note. Now I'm on my list of British sayings. Uh, hey, uh, let's talk about how they say lift instead of elevator. Um, the, biggest, the biggest thing that's, uh, I think, pending right now is the health of Cam Curl. Um, Curl, report, according to Ben Standing of The Athletic, had a thumb injury that may have required surgery. Uh, all we know for sure is that he was at practice in a cast, not participating last week, and that his status is unclear. Ron Rivera never uh, one to give a lot of information on injuries anyway, uh, stuck to the, hey, we don't have to give an injury report till Wednesday last week as we sit here recording this on monday uh you're hearing it likely on tuesday we are obviously a day or two away depending on where you are the space-time continuum away from learning more uh from rivera himself so um let's let's pose the question this way logan like if cam curl were to miss even one week how significant of a loss is it for this defense and what is it exactly that they would be missing yeah, so that's a, that's a really good question. And I think, you know, when we talked, when I talked with John, one of the things that stuck out to us both about the roster is that they kept fewer DBs. <clears throat> Obviously, they've remedied that to a certain extent, but they've kept fewer DBs and a, and a kind of a normal number of safeties, hoping that some of those guys could have positional flex. And so now with Cam out, you lose some of those guys and their ability to kind of be position flex guys, right? So with Cam out, it's probably Forrest, and I would think Forrest or Percy, I think. Um, obviously we haven't been allowed to watch practice, but kind of near the tail end of the practice viewing period, Percy had kind of started taking over, I think a little bit more responsibility in the defense. Like he was playing nickel a little bit more, getting more burn at safety. And when you talk to guys in the building, they're very, very excited about his upside and his potential. And I could see him kind of stepping in, right? He's, he's a dynamic athlete. I think he could work on his, um, his tackling a little bit. Uh, not not his tackling. I think he's a fine tackler. Just like the physicality at the tackle, I think is the thing I'm I'm kind mm. of pointing out there. So but basically, now, saying like he's not doesn't bring the physicality into a point that at the NFL level there might be some broken tackles if he's not uh, a cleaner yeah, finisher. Mean, or like what's the what what's the outcome here? So so yeah. So I think the thing with him is like he's he's a he's a sound tackler, but I think there's times where you see like a moment of indecision right before the hit about like what am I doing here. And I think it leads to kind of this this ineffective tackle. Like he's not thick enough on the on the runner usually, or sometimes that only happened a couple of times. And I think that's something that you know that comes with experience, comes with youth, and um, and I think that's something that can can get corrected. But again, like having Cam in there is a very sure tackler, something very different. And then also one of the like we talked about Percy and his ability to play nickel. Like now, if he's going to be starting, who's going to play your nickel if Benjamin St. Juice gets hurt? So that's kind of what this right. wheel starts here right is you were kind of it seemed like they were kind of counting on him to be the backup nickel now if for whatever reason he jumps for us and is starting at safety you don't have a backup nickel that you feel really good about because obviously danny johnson and corn elder are on practice squad and you can bump those guys up obviously but they didn't have the best of preseasons so who's going to fill that backup nickel role is a big question so again like that's what this does like obviously you're taking a very good player off the field in cam curl but I think the other thing is like now all of a sudden because of certain roster moves you've made, it's kind of this weird musical chairs and you're going to have to put somebody in at a position, whether it be nickel or safety, that you don't feel that great about right. or you I don't feel have, like overly confident about. 
Right. And, and a big reason for that is the communication. And, and I thought you and John did a great job of talking about this last week of like when they had that stretch in the middle of the season last year where they played well defensively, like you could yeah. literally see the communication and Cam is a huge part of that. Having a guy who has a deeper understanding of what's going on versus a rookie or a second year player in Butler or Forrest, like one, you're missing some of the physical traits and the sure tackling and, and those types of things that Cam Curl brings, but you're also missing one of your key communicators in the middle of that defense. Uh, that you know that that could be the the type of thing that kills you. Um, you know that's how you bust coverage. That's how you give up big plays, and we know that big plays are what makes you lose games in the NFL. So that, that's a huge, huge loss if he's out for any extended period of time. And frankly, even if he's out for one week. Yeah, and I think, like, I'm really glad you brought up the communication because that's something they've just done, like, exceptionally well with over the course of training camp and even through the preseason. I know everyone wants to get on them for poor coverages, but when you watch, like, down to down, that group is playing very well. And so, yeah, like you said, when you're taking a piece out of that and you're putting in a new piece, a rookie piece, probably, whether it's Forrest or Butler, and, I, you know, like I said, the thing about tackling, it's not like he's a bad tackler, but I think that area of his game could improve. And obviously Forrest, I think Forrest is kind of the fan favorite for that spot. And he's a great tackler, but again, a little, not as dynamic, not as fast, not as fluid in coverage. So it's kind of a give and take there about who you want to put in. But again, like that, those four guys have done a really nice job. They've looked excellent in terms of communication. Then five, if you count Benjamin St. Jude. So taking one of them out, I think is just one of those things that is, it's going to be detrimental. Like, I, you know, right. and you mentioned Cam being in the center of the defense. I, I personally think Bobby McCain, is more the genesis of that communication. And right. so that'll that piece will be there. But again, Cam is just so dynamic. He can kind of do multiple things in the context of the defense. And he's such a, you know, the other thing he's excellent at is covering tight ends. And you're losing that skill set, right? You're losing a guy who's at a high level, covered tight ends for a long time. And hopefully it's not, hopefully the injury is not a long-term thing. And hopefully he's back soon. But again, like those are the things that all of a sudden become question marks when you don't have um, you know, like I want to say established depth at the position because I think you have a lot of guys who you feel excited about. Like I'm excited about Forrest. I'm excited about Percy. But, you know, what happens when they have to play an extended amount of time? And that, that becomes a larger question. Right. Of course, one of the biggest uh, acquisitions for the Jags uh, this offseason was Evan Ingram. So yeah. they've got a, a guy at tight end who can be dynamic, a lot of drops, which is why he's not in New York anymore, but a guy who can be dynamic. Um, certainly and they also have a guy in Dan they have a guy like Dan Arnold too who is you know maybe not the biggest household name but a guy who um, is very productive and so I think that's another thing like that they've got two solid tight ends there and Manners uh, as well who's played yeah. a lot of NFL football so yeah yeah so it's going to be like you're definitely gonna have those kind of matchups uh, week one against Jacksonville um, the other thing with Cam though, that I, I wonder is depending on the injury, depending on the surgery, if he could play with a cast, um, obviously, yeah. you know, it's, it's not going to be as easy. It's not going to be, uh, as you know, if, if a ball hits him in the hands, you're a lot less likely to catch it. Um, but if he can, if he can basically put a club on it and go out there and play like, that's something that happens in the NFL on a somewhat regular basis. And so yeah. um, depending on the injury, perhaps he can get out there. Hopefully it is not anything long term. Um, but if it had surgery, then theoretically that surgery that that, you know, incision is going to have to heal. And so we'll see how long that happens. Uh, the other, I guess, biggest roster uh, move is a guy that I'm very curious to see what they do with. That's John Bostic. They bring him back mm. um, a guy that they've certainly had their eyes on since they let him go in the offseason. Uh, he signed in New Orleans. New Orleans let him go. Uh, Ron said that they had their eye on him, and they were they were like almost ready to move, and then they didn't when New Orleans signed him, and and then they were impressed with what he did in New Orleans. 
I look at him as a guy that I hope doesn't play a whole lot, that that I right. hope is there in a more mentorship role. But like, I don't know if you went back and watched any of Bostick's New Orleans tape. I certainly didn't. I was in London uh, and in Scotland getting married and on my honeymoon. Uh, but, uh, you know, a guy that up and down career in Washington wasn't playing that great before he got hurt last year. Um, but certainly has an immense amount of knowledge and is the kind of player that we've talked about bringing into that room basically all offseason. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, when they make this signing, it just seems like a very natural fit. And like you said, you hope he doesn't have to play a ton. But I think having, you know, I, I thought we talked about this with Fletch. I talked about this with John a little bit. I don't know if it was on the air or not. It all just kind of bleeds together. <laughs> right. But um the uh, but I think you know some of the things that I learned most, uh, some of the people that taught me the most were players, not coaches. Right? They just teach you how to watch film. They teach you what they look for. They teach you how to study. They teach you how to break down a game plan. They teach you about tendencies of of the the opponent. And I think that having a guy just in the room who you know, from what I understand, like John has told John Kime has mentioned that you know he's got kind of coach potential after football. Yeah, he definitely does. I covered Bostic uh, his first year here, and absolutely. 100% see that. And so having a guy like that is is extremely advantageous because it maybe he can kind of give those guys some insight. Maybe he can say, "Hey Jamin, like I know we've got this crazy, you know, 500 page run install in, but you know, in reality they just do these three things." Like I used to do that kind of stuff when I was in Atlanta for the young guys. "Hey, like I know we got all this stuff in these blitzes in, but like if you really look at the sheet, it's like these three. So I'm prepping for these three blitzes, you know? And I think like just having someone with that kind of experience who's like, I don't have to cover my own ass the same way a coach does. Right. I can just be like, this is what I, this is what I find helpful as a player. And I right. think that that kind of stuff is huge for, um, you know, you know, for young guys. And especially if he's, if he's willing to do that, you know, I think that would be really, really helpful for a guy like Jamin, a guy like Holcomb who are, you know, stepping into larger roles within the context of the defense this year. Right. So here, here's something I've, I've struggled with in trying to make sense of this. Um, you know, there's been a ton of criticism for good reason for Ron and, and the front office since they've been here of like doing things way later than they should have. You know, sure. and the, the most notable example being putting Landon at the Buffalo nickel. Like everybody knew that's where he belonged and they waited till what, six games into the season to do it. Right. And it's like, hey, like we all knew what you're waiting for. And to a point, I feel like this is that again, where you're like, okay, they signed a veteran linebacker when everyone knew they needed to sign one. But there's also a part of me that goes, well, the details matter here, and you're not game planning or anything like that in the preseason. Like, Bostic's value as a mentor is actually far greater in the regular season. So my question to you as a guy who's been there, both as a guy who's been mentored as a young player and who did some mentoring as an older player, like you just said, in Atlanta, is like, is this actually like, uh, I don't know what the word is. Like, is this a smart move to do this now? Or did they miss out on a lot of his value by not having him there all spring and summer? I think that's a good question. I, um, I don't know if there's a right answer for that, quite honestly. I think one of the things that you kind of lean on if you're a coach and if you're trying to you know, put your head on the pillow at night is that he was here last year. And the guys know him really well. So like establishing those lines of communication won't be as challenging. Because one of the things about mentoring is, building relationships with the young guys, letting them know that they, that they can trust you and that you can kind of show show and shepherd them the way uh, to being a successful NFL player. And so that step, which would be a big offseason step, you know, going out to dinner with guys, kind of getting them to stay after in terms of film, like he's probably already established those relationships a little bit. So I think that that's probably okay. You know what I mean? That's probably right. okay. And like we talked about sometimes with certain players, 
and I think this is probably true of Cole, it's nice not to have a veteran kind of like looming over you. Right. Does that make sense? Like you and that, that's kind why of, I said what I said in terms of like, I actually wonder if this is the best way to do it for this yeah. one, where it's like, it let Cole be the guy all spring and summer. And now that you get into the regular season, he's got a little bit more confidence, a little bit more oomph in the room. Right. But you now bring in a guy who Cole can still be that. John can kind of lay in the background, but also then pull Cole aside and be like, hey, uh, by the way, also X, Y, Z. Yeah. So I think like in the context of Jamin last year, having Bostic around more was probably beneficial early on because he can kind of, he can kind of bring that you're expecting the young guy to start. But when you've kind of decreed already that Cole is the starter, it's nice for that guy to kind of say, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I can establish my own leadership style. And I, you know, that's, right. you know, good mentors know when to kind of push and when to step back. And it would be interesting to see if, if John would have like stepped way back and let Cole do his thing. But um, again, that's, that's part of the process for sure is, is, I think with Cole specifically becoming the mic, not having anybody here to kind of talk over him and like kind of like, hey, man, you should do like this, just is going to breed a confidence. And so now bringing Bostic in, I think at this point, allows him to get all those benefits of film study and and kind of the, the mentorship element that maybe he gets now, assuming that Bostic wants to and can and is capable of doing that, um, which would be extremely beneficial for a guy like Cole. But I do think establishing his own leadership philosophy was huge. Right. And as I said, with the timing too, like the, the institutional knowledge is far more important in the regular season because you start game planning and right. there's just like the basic stuff, like let Cole establish all that stuff there. Let Jamin establish that there. Let the lines of communication be what they are there. Then you bring in a guy who can go like, all right, against Jacksonville, against Doug Peterson, who I yeah. played before. Uh, right. this is what you're looking for. So I think that there's there's extreme value and I actually kind of like the timing of it in a weird way, even yeah. though it does feel like a quote-unquote like classic, a, like, oh, they did this way too late type of situation. Or like an afterthought uh, kind of, yeah. But, right. Uh, all right, last couple of notes real quick, and we don't really have to say a lot on these unless you have more on these. Just sure. cleaning up loose ends uh, since last Thursday when you and John uh, were on. Uh, we were trying to figure out what was going to happen with Brian Robinson. Uh, he is now on the non-football injury list, so he'll miss at least four games. I mean, hopefully, obviously, that's all he misses, and he's ready right. physically and mentally to come back. Um, that's a longer discussion, but now at least we know. Uh, Curtis Hodges uh, goes to IR, which is expected when they kept five tight ends, so he'll miss at least three, I believe. Uh, although it might be four, they keep changing the freaking rules, so nobody knows. <laughs> uh, he'll come back when he comes back. Uh, and then they also signed two cornerbacks. You mentioned that they were a little light in DB, uh, but they signed Tariq Castro-Fields and Rashad Wild Goose. So those guys are in, and we frankly don't know a lot about them at this point. Uh, they also, by the way, at, at the linebacker position, they also brought back David Mayo and put Dejon Harris down to practice squad. Interesting little roster shuffle there, but um, that's a that's a pretty smart room now with Bostic Mayo, um, you know, Cole, and then then Jamin coming along uh, in his second year as well. So uh, just that's that's where the roster stands now. Uh, we'll see any updates with Curl on Wednesday, and we'll react to the, any new news on Thursday. I know that like, we don't know a lot about those guys, but I know there's a little bit of buzz about those two DBs in the in the building. Like the, someone somewhere was like, man, they're really talented. They're very twitched up, you know. And again, they might be trying to sell you something, but um, I think that that's always uh, encouraging when because sometimes coaches are not excited about the guys they brought in because those are like, 
you know, the, that's like, ah, we got, we got someone. Yes. What? Yeah. Right. And so I think that that's, that's also encouraging. It'll be interesting to see how those guys develop over the next couple of weeks. Uh, they can be excited about it, but those two dudes do not have a lot of experience. Uh, I think, <laughs> for, I think one's a sixth round pick though, which is kind of yeah. exciting from a talent standpoint, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, Oh, uh, they, if something happens with Fuller or, or Jackson, like they are, they're super young at corner. Um, Definitely which is kind of how the I league is right now. Yeah, right. definitely not what I was expecting from like a signing standpoint. You thought it would be like I don't want to say Bostic esque, but someone who's played right. football, who's got some experience, who could come in and hold down the fort for a couple of games. And so obviously they kind of went the uh, the, the total opposite direction. And got to trust yep. they uh, they know what it's they're hard. doing. They understand. Yep, good veterans aren't aren't available in mass. Right. Um, you know, because if they're good and they're veteran, they're probably playing somewhere. Um, right. It just it just is what it is. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right. Uh, week one's always interesting because you get new everything, right? Uh, and sometimes I think this is a little overplayed. And, and in fact, I think Washington has overplayed their hand a little bit on, on this. And we've talked about this throughout the preseason that they're trying to hide their stuff uh, for the regular season. And it's like, you guys have been here for three years. And you guys have been in the NFL if you're Jack and Ron for like 35, almost 40 years. You're not hiding anything, um, but new personnel mixed with coaches, like there always is a little bit of new um, in terms of the concoction that any team is is stewing up for a season. In Jacksonville specifically, you've got Doug Peterson who took a year off after getting relieved of his duties in Philadelphia. You've got a new defensive coordinator. Like you have a lot of new stuff. And by the way, you have uh, Trevor Lawrence for the first time uh, under a real NFL coach after the Urban Meyer <laughs> disaster of 2022 or 2021. So yeah. I actually do think like when we talk about some of the unique challenges of week one, like Jacksonville really is a team that if you're Washington and you're trying to prepare for them, uh, I would assume that it's pretty challenging. What, where would you be looking? Like what are the kinds of things that you're looking at at Jacksonville as even you prepare to do, you know, the pregame show and, and all your media duties. Nevertheless, what Ron and Jack and Scott and everybody's looking at to actually prepare to play in, or coach in the game. Yeah. So from a personnel standpoint, obviously the best thing to do is watch the preseason games, you know, specifically they played in the, um, they played in the hall of fame game. So you'd watch the third preseason game because there's four, right. So that was kind of their dress rehearsal game against uh, Pittsburgh. And uh, you know, obviously they've got some very young talented players on defense specifically. We talked about before we get on the, the front being uber talented, but that's in time for, to kind of say, Oh, this is what Trayvon Walker does. And you kind of see his athletic upside, but you also see how raw he is. So 
you know, the uh, the athletic rawness is scary, but you understand that he's very inexperienced still, right? And so that that's where you kind of glean that information about the personnel. And obviously, um, schematically, like I would go watch, I'm going to go watch Tampa Bay from last year because that's where the defensive coordinator was. He was a linebacker coach in Tampa Bay under Bowles. And so, um, you know, obviously you can watch the second preseason game, but and you get a you get a general understanding of who they are and what they want to be. But Bowles pressures a lot. You know, and then this guy doesn't pressure a lot. So despite him not showing a lot of pressure in the preseason, I'm expecting him to pressure in critical situations because that's what Bowles does. That's his daddy. That's what he that's who he wants to be. So that's where you would kind of get an inside track on kind of what's going on. So I'll probably go back and watch the Tampa Bay game from a couple of years ago, maybe the playoff game, just to see. And then mm. also the one from last year, just to see what kind of blitzes they were running, what they thought worked against this team. And then it gives you an idea because that's the roadmap. And then for Doug Peterson, right, I would go back and look at his offense in 2020 when they played this team twice. Probably not the second game because that was the Nate Sudfeld game and that was just a total disaster. But I'll probably right. check out the first one just to kind of see formationally what they're thinking. And obviously the personnel is different. They don't have Zach Ertz. They don't have Dallas Goddard. But in terms of concept and philosophy, like that's what I'm tuning into, right? How do they want to attack, you know, Jack Del Rio's cover six, the cover three, how do they what, like what was their philosophy? What was their play calling rhythm? And that usually gives you a pretty good insight because, like you said, people don't show a lot of who they are in the preseason. But like I can just go watch a game from you know, a couple of years ago and get a really good insight on what you want to do versus this defensive concept. And if I'm unsure about that, then I'll just watch another team that runs a similar defense and be like, hey. So I think the problem with Jacksonville specifically, right, is defensively you kind of have a general understanding of what they are and who they want to be very dynamic pass rushers up front, which is surprising because everyone kind of was talking about how bad that roster is. I think offensively you run into a different hurdle because they are essentially an entirely new skill position group. They have Jones who was there last year, but who was hurt for a lot of the year. They have, uh, Zay, I think Zay Jones, and then they have yeah. another guy named Jones. Mar Marvin then, Jones Jr. and then Zay yeah. Jones, and then Christian Kirk, who they spent a boatload right. of money on. And then you mentioned Mark Ingram already is new, right? And new offensive line. And then, Quite frankly, I'm expecting to see a new quarterback, right, in Trevor Lawrence, a guy that is actually going to be mentored and brought along by Doug Peterson, who's kind of a quarterback guru, or like at least by reputation. So that to me is the one that becomes a little bit more challenging. Like Travis Etienne will be playing football for them. Like, is he going to be lining up at receiver like Urban Meyer alluded to? I doubt it, but, you know, very talented runner and how he kind of fits in the backfield in terms of rotation. So those offensively becomes a little bit more different because it's almost an entirely new group. Like with the defense, you just kind of look at it and say, oh, like this is this is the structure. These are the pieces they're putting in there, and we're good to go. Offensively, because you kind of have to tweak it to fit who what your personnel is a little bit better at, Right, you're going to run into some different stuff. Right. You get to dictate on offense. Defense, you're being dictated sure. to. Uh, you have structures and rules that you try to follow based off of what's being done to you. But at the end of the day, like it, it's not – there's only so much creativity you can have defensively because you're, you're ultimately reacting to what the offense does. But like you said, you know, with, with Evan Ingram and Chris Manhurts and Dan Arnold at tight end and, you know, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, you know, do they use, you know, James Robinson's listed as questionable as we head into the week, but like, he's a really good back, um, yeah. you know, along with Travis Etienne. Um, and then like, 
again, what they've got a new offensive line too, including by the way, Brandon Sheriff. Like they've got they've got some money and and high picks invested in that offensive line. So like, how do they deploy that guy? Like Brandon Sheriff is one of the rare offensive linemen that you can kind of game plan around. Like he is a special yeah. puller. And so are, are there screens? Are there you know? And obviously uh, Peterson had a great offensive line in Philadelphia and a great right guard specifically in Brandon Brooks. Um, you know, but you know, is is there new stuff in the screen game? Is there new stuff? Uh, on the outside run game uh, that that they can do because they have Sheriff that you know looks looks real familiar to folks in Washington yeah. because you know Doug stole it from from Jay's old playbook or from Scott's playbook the last couple of years so there's there's all these different factors that you're trying to figure out um, you know on, on their offense and it's just it's a giant wild card and by the way you have this quarterback who is thought to be a generational talent in Lawrence that completely got ruined last year by Urban Meyer. Um, had had his moments kind of in spite of the coaching and, and all that. But now that he's got a year of experience under his belt and a much, much, much better coach, like, is he going to come out and look incredible? Like, who who knows? And, I, you know, we'll talk about this more on Thursday. But, you know, it, it is a it's a little bit of a scary game uh, coming out uh, week one. Cause, and I think it's scary because you don't really know. And like, you know, we mentioned uh you mentioned the offense specifically and you know phil rousher was here you know phil rousher was an assistant offensive line coach here under um bill callahan and he's probably the run game coordinator now so a lot of that callahan stuff's going to bleed into this you mentioned the special puller that's something callahan was excellent at was kind of game planning to fit the strengths of his offensive line and now that skill set at least tangentially is there in jacksonville jim bob cooter who was the pass game coordinator or the offensive coordinator in detroit is now the pass game coordinator in um, in Jacksonville. So again, like those concepts, there will be some bleeding in. There will be like kind of this amalgamation, this evolution of Patterson's offense with Jim Bob Cooter's offense. Mm-hmm. I think that's also something that makes it a little bit challenging is who has the stronger voice there, who's going to be more influential. And again, it's week one. They don't even really know who they are. You know, they don't really know who they are. And again, right. in the NFL, uncertainty is deadly, right? Like the best – the the best thing that I always loved about, um, you know, like week three of the se- of the uh, of the NFL is I knew what teams were going to be doing. I knew who they wanted to be. Week one was always a little bit of a crapshoot because they come out and they say, "Oh man, we really want to do this. We really want to do X." But then they realize they're not good at it, or they or whatever. But you've prepped for this other thing. So I think that's one of the things about this team specifically, offensively, is you really don't know like what they're going to be doing because. They have so many new pieces. They have so many new coaches. They have so many new playmakers in that offense. And how do you kind of find what speaks to them? So that'll be really curious to watch. And and I think that's why this this game in particular is going to be extremely difficult for the defensive staff to prepare for. I think the offensive staff could probably prep in their sleep, to be quite honest, because of what I've seen in the preseason and because of the Todd Bull, the Todd Bowles connection. But again, like that offense will be really curious to see what what, what that uh, what the result is there. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your debt, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. We will see what happens week one. We'll get you more prepared for week one, of course, coming up on Thursday's show. But let's take a longer look at the season, Logan. Uh, thanks to our friends at BetMGM, uh, who, by the way, newest sponsor of the Hoffman Show. Uh, we haven't even said this on the show yet, but <laughs> use the promo code Hoffman. Uh, I think you get $10 in free bets. So that's that's a nice little uh Nice little thing. Just a little sneak peek for those of you here on the podcast. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of the, the overs and unders for the season. Um, so let's start off with the win total because um, th- that's about as wide as we can go before we get into some of the individual guys and, and what they may or may not do this season. They've got the uh, the over under seven and a half wins. Do you like the commanders to win at least eight games this year? I do kind of. I mean, I don't know. I, I think – Maybe because I'm just covering the team so closely. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of talent on this roster, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, unlike last year. And they won seven games last year. I think this team's gotten a lot better. And I think that the division, you know, in certain areas, like I think Dallas has gotten a little bit worse. I think Philly's better. But again, there's a lot of variance there with Jalen Hurts. So I, I think, I think, yeah, I'm a little, um, I think that's a low number, and I'm trying to understand why. And it's probably because of the variance of Carson Wentz. And again, that's the thing that would make me even a little bit skeptical about just embracing that bet with two hands is because, like, it's like, well, you know, he does, he is a little up and down. If he's good, I think they win 10 games easy. If he's bad, you know, they'll probably win five, which is kind of crazy to think about given their strength of schedule. Yeah, and that's the thing is like they have such an easier schedule this year that even if Heineke winds up having to play a couple games, you feel like they can compete. But at the same time, you know it's uh, you know they just don't have a lot of margin for error with injury. Like yes, they have, I think, true. more than last year. Um, but I mean, we saw how much like the Curtis Samuel, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel injury like derailed their season last year. Um, but at the end of the day, like I, I do think they will win over seven and a half. Like I would take the over, but I also like if that number is eight and a half, I'd probably take the under. Like eight to me is like the right around the right number. Eight nine well, wins, a, and, and I'm that, push like back that's the thing is bit. they're just kind of right in that that middle zone. Well, in terms of depth, like at least offensively, like you look at tight end, like they're way deeper at tight end now. They're way sure. deeper at wide receiver. They're, I mean. Bro- Prior to the Brian Robinson thing, they were re- way deeper at running back. Their offensive line depth is always kind of this black hole of just infinite O linemen for some reason. So I, I really think, like, you know, they're in a better spot. They could sustain some injuries offensively and be okay. Sure. And I think the but, offense is going to go ahead. I was going to say, Samuel's one that proved last year, like, completely changes their offense. I think sure. McLaren is a little like if something would happen to him, like Dotson obviously gives you some, some little bit more leeway there of having a big dynamic playmaker um, on the outside, but defensively, like I, I that would be my sure. counter yeah. more, more of anything is like Curtis Samuel as a, like a slash weapon type. And then defensively, like you're already starting the season without chase. Um, and, and you don't know exactly when he's going to get back. Uh, and then, 
linebacker, like we just we talked about it earlier in the show, like Bostic signing is great for what he is, but like if he's got to play, that's that gets a little dicey potentially. Um, you know, Mayo, same thing, like good at certain things, but a little dicey, uh, you know, in other areas or a lot dicey. Corner is like a gigantic what if, yeah. um, you know, and you hope that the starters look as good as they did during the preseason, um, you know, not what they did last year look what they did at times during the spring and summer. So, um, I I do think that they're, they're real thin on that side of the ball. And, and also, you know, one thing we haven't even talked about is like the trust in the coordinators yet, which I don't think we're going to know for a couple weeks into the season. Um, but hopefully we know that it's like, okay, they were just holding back in the, uh, in the preseason and not like, Oh no, they, they really don't have it. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I think, I think defensively, you could probably sustain an injury, another injury to the defensive end position, because I think Two Hill and those guys have done a really nice job, and they could hold down the fort, which they showed last year uh, for for a little bit of time. Uh, defensive tackle feels pretty good to me right now. You know, like I think if you feel like Daniel Wise had a play, you know, and Phil, like you'd feel okay. Obviously, you don't want anything happen to John or Payne, but I think you're right. Like when, as you move back, it becomes a bigger question. I think you even feel better about the linebacker depth right now, just because of what uh, you know. Uh, Mayo did during training camp but again like that secondary is a big question like if uh you know if Kendall Fuller gets hurt like what are you gonna like what are you gonna do you know is it right is Benjamin St. Juice bump out and then Percy Butler a rookie is gonna start at nickel for you like that's that becomes really interesting really quick and like that's you know that's what happens if William Jackson the third gets hurt too so it's not like that's like a yeah so that is interesting but I do think offensively you're you're much more uh you're in a much better spot to sustain injuries and i think that's important for kind of promoting more wins and so they have the worst strength of schedule in the nfl a lot of the teams that were good last year are going to be down this year like i look at the tennessee titans specifically without aj brown i think that i I think they're going to be much more competitive and it's just about can they win three or four that are close games and that to me is kind of the big question in terms of getting over that um seven and a half wins yeah no, definitely. Uh, all right, let's take a look at some of the uh, the individual numbers. Uh, let's start with Carson Wentz. 23 and a half passing touchdowns is the over-under number. 23 and a half. That seems like a lot. I mean, what was his? He threw 27 last year? Is that what he did? Yeah, he threw his 27 last year. And 27 and like five, I want to say. Or no, it wasn't five. Seven. It ended up being like nine interceptions, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 20, 27 touchdowns last year, seven interceptions, uh, his career, he's gone 16, his rookie year, 33, 21, 27, 16 is last year in Philly when he played just 12 games and yeah. then 27. And by the way, that's a part of it is like health. If he stays healthy, he's had 27, 27, and he had 33 in the, the 13 games he played in 2017 before he got hurt. Um, and that year that he probably would have won MVP. Um, but if he can stay healthy, it seems like a lock for the over. Um, yeah. But, you know, can he stay I mean, healthy? That's, that's, that's what I was going to say. It seems it seems like he would definitely, assuming, and again, this goes back to the confidence in the coordinators, in my opinion. Like, are they going to let him, I don't want to say cook, but like, is he going to have an opportunity to like push the football down the field, make some plays, or are they going to be uber conservative and really stress him? And, you know, we had um, uh, Warren Sharp on here and talking about how the play calling can stress a quarterback in terms of decision making. Are they going to like have him handcuffed the whole time and put him in these high variant situations where you know everyone looks at um, Indianapolis and says, "Oh, like 
he, you know, he was in the perfect situation. Great running running system. They insulated, but also he had more third and longs than any other quarterback in the NFL. I don't want to say that's a, obviously hyperbole, but he had a lot of third and longs. And yeah. I think like, is Scott Turner going to do that? You know, run, run. Hey, we're in third and eight. Like, let's figure it out and get a first down. Like, those are very, very difficult situations for a quarterback to be success, successful. And that's definitely going to impact how effective he is. So, to me, it kind of goes back to our original question. You know, like you brought it up already, but we talked about it a couple shows ago is what is Scott Turner going to do to help him out? Because if Scott Turner is supportive and they find a way to kind of make him very comfortable, I think 23 is going to fall relatively easily. But yeah. it's can can they make him comfortable? Can they get him in a good spot? Can they keep him healthy? And that comes back again a little bit to play calling in the situations you're putting him in. Yeah. And also I do think that the, you know, we're talking about just the, the betting numbers, like in statistical stuff, you know, it's this, this overlays into fantasy as well. Like you should get some free touchdowns by the fact that you got these really dynamic playmakers on the outside. Sure. Like you should have a slant route to McLaurin, Dotson or Dotson or Samuel at some point during the season that goes for a touchdown when it should have been a seven yard game. Cause they slip one tackle and are gone because they're that good. Right. Um, and so that, that tends to help things as well. Nevertheless, some of the kind of more on schedule stuff that you're talking about. Um, interceptions uh 10 and a half is the number Wentz did have only seven last year obviously a couple of them came late I tend to think that that's probably an over number but yeah. what do you I think, think over I think over on both is what I'm feeling I think he's probably gonna throw more touchdowns in 23 and I think he'll probably throw more picks than 10 I think because he when you look at his turnover worthy plays from last year he got he got lucky he had probably a five game stretch where he was like plus four and a half plus five turnover worthy plays by PFF metrics and usually some of those are going to flip in coming into next year. So, you know, even if he throws like in two of those games, two of those interceptions are caught, that's four more right there. And he's hitting the over. So I would say probably yes um, over that. And I think he's probably gonna throw more touchdowns, which is, which bodes well. And I think you should ride that level of variance. If we're talking from an X's and O's standpoint, like let it like cut him loose, let him throw the football. Like let's do the Rex Grossman, man. Like, a 50 yard interception is the same thing as a punt. Like let's ride that. Like let's be aggressive and put it, put ourselves in a good spot to like get some good offensive production. Uh, last one on Wentz. I feel like this is again, it just is, if he's healthy, this should be an easy over yards, 35, 49 and a half. So basically 35, 30, 35 or 3,550 yards is basically the okay. number. And then last year, what, what was he last year? 37, right? Yeah, I believe so. I don't have that number in front of oh, me anymore. Sorry, I'm putting on the spot, Craig. It's all right. But like, it feels like if if they're the offense that they want to be, and he's healthy, but I think he's that's a four thousand yard passer. Just but say that. But health- I don't know. Like, who who do they want to be right now? That's the like. Who are they? Like in the preseason, they were like Brian Robinson show. Brian Robinson's obviously not here right now. So like now, who do you want to be? Is it the Gibson show? Because Gibson, I, I I love Gibson. I've been the biggest Gibson supporter, but he's bad at keeping your offense on schedule, which is going to put Carson in bad second and long situations. So if that's who you want to be, that doesn't bode well for him to be an effective passer. It really doesn't. So and by the way, last year, 35-63, he was basically right on that number. Yeah. So I again, this comes back to, who who does Scott Turner and like? How does he envision this offense? Because through the preseason, we don't really know. We, I mean, like if you tell me, oh, we know exactly who they want to be. The only thing I got from the preseason is that Brian Robinson is a good running back. Is a good running back. Jahan and Terry are good receivers, right? But they didn't even get a lot of targets. So it's like, how do we know what this is? Do they want to pass out of 
run heavy formations? Do they want to spread it out? We have no clue. So I don't know. And so if, if, if for whatever reason they go like run, 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 now let's try to pass, like that's not going to be good for him. It's not. So no. that's my biggest kind of like you, everyone, will, I'm sure everyone will say over, 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 but like with all of these metrics, you don't know, we don't know enough about the offense at the moment to make like a definitive claim. Like, yes, this is who they're going to be. And this is how they're going to execute that. So if I had to gun to my head, I'm going to be optimistic and say over, but I could very easily see that going under. If they're a playoff team, he's over. Um, like they can't be a pound, yeah. like yeah, pounded yeah, yeah. out team. They're not, that's, yeah. that's not where their strengths are. Like that would be, and, that would be a fireable offense. Like just to be blunt with and Scott. look at, look at who are the pounded out teams in the NFL. They have amazing running backs and offensive lines, like the Tennessee Titans, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens, Colts. even the green Bay Packers to a certain extent, they run the ball more than people think, right? The Colts, right? But again, you have, you have other stuff off of that. You have, you know what I mean? That makes you dynamic. It makes you scary. And I don't think we have the personnel, quite frankly, to to pound it out that way. You know, and I, I think you bring up a good point. I don't know if it's a fireable offense. You, I mean, you, if the you, offense like, doesn't make any sense based off the weapons, like what's the point of having a coordinator? <laughs> like that's a, to me, that's not even like a bold a bold stance. Like it's just yeah. like yes, you need balance. Yes, you need to run the ball. Like there's a lot of different factors that go into whether or not a coordinator is doing a good job. But if on a baseline level, you've got Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson, and all these dynamic Logan tight Thomas. ends, yeah, yeah like. And even your best now, your best running back uh, until Robinson gets back, or like, but still, even when Robinson's there, one of your best weapons is like a dynamic pass catcher who's a space yeah. player in Gibson. Like, yeah, spread it around. Like that's and you paid just paid your quarterback twenty eight million. Like if you that's paid point. Carson Wentz twenty eight million and gave up a third round pick for him to turn around and hand the ball off, like you could have just kept Heideke oh. and spent that money somewhere so, somewhere else. It is. I agree. I agree. I agree. So, and it's a, it's probably a little bit of an extreme position, but like <laughs> on a on a, like a the track is correct. Um, all right, a few a few more real quick. Uh, John Dotson over under five hundred ninety nine and a half yards. So is he going to get six hundred over over? Yeah, your over. your team team Jahan all the way. What about over a thousand for Terry? He well, he was just over last year, right? Mm-hmm. He has a way of getting there. I would he go does. over on, on uh, Terry. Yeah, I feel like over. I feel like Jahan's going to have a lot. I feel like the only, my only question would be if Jahan gets starts getting more targets and Terry ends up with like 950. You know what I mean? Like because he yeah. because he just hasn't had the touches that he's accustomed to getting, which would mean the That's offense is healthier, which means the offense is healthier. But again, like that might affect his total yardage production. Yeah, although I will say, you know, the counter to that would be, and this would be the best case scenario, is if Curtis and Jahan take some attention away, Terry gets more one on one, and and you know maybe he winds up with a twelve hundred yard season because right. there's a, he's actually got help. Uh, but I think there's definitely a, a chance that they're all somewhere in that six to nine hundred and fifty yard range. Yeah. Um, other one that I had pulled for McLaurin six and a half touchdowns over under. How many did he have last year? Do you know I, off the top of your head? Do you remember? Uh, I do not. I would expect that seems like a very like I would say if you were like hey Logan how many touchdowns do I have I'd say six or seven so six and a half feels like a very uh, I have Vegas-y five number. last year four yeah. the year before seven is rookie year so I I feel like even though it feels like an over uh, it's probably an under scenario yeah based on based on past performance like you said like this offense is going to be a little bit more open maybe more touches in the red zone maybe more big plays for him because he does like you said he's very good after the catch. Right, maybe a couple of yeah. those fall his way. 
You never know. But yeah. Also, also, that. he hasn't had a, a quarterback who can throw deep since, uh, you know, since like Case Keenum, I guess, kind of. Like even that, like Kirk Cousins. I don't know. Yeah, way yeah, back. He didn't even play with Kirk. Did he not so, really? Wow. No, he was Terry was so, 2019, so Kirk was gone. So Alex Smith was his guy, right? Yeah, Alex, Alex, and then Case, and all of the guys. I mean, obviously yeah. Dwayne could throw deep, uh, but you know Dwayne's success was yeah. uh, fairly limited. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It's this yeah. is why it's fun. Also, that this is, is why uh, they air condition the desert because when you gamble. More often than not, you lose, uh, which I'm sure is exactly what BetMGM wants me to say as their newest endorser. Uh, be wise with your bets. Be wise. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we will be back on Thursday uh, with a heavier preview of Jacksonville. Uh, we also are back on the radio uh, together this weekend, a pregame, 10 a.m. on both 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, countdown to kickoff. On Burgundy and Gold Game Day returns, Earl Forsey will lead into us on both stations as well. So good to get the band back together for that. Of course, I'm back on the radio as well, starting Tuesday at 3 p.m. And so we will see you there. Uh, for Logan, I'm Craig. Hope you enjoyed the pod, and we'll see you Thursday here on Take Command.